What's good, everybody? Hope you're having a good Monday. I'm your host, Ryan McDaniel, and this is the Views from the 573 Podcast. We got a big week of college football to recap as ESPN build it. Statement Saturday, and a lot of statements were made. We are going to discuss some of those statements that were made, starting with a game in Tuscaloosa with Bama and LSU, and going around the Big 12, the SEC, everywhere. Statements were made on Saturday. And then the NFL, we had some games go on in Germany. We had some games that were surprising and how they turned out with the Ravens absolutely destroying the Seahawks and a lot of other interesting results. So we got a fun week of football to recap in the pros and in the college ranks. So let's get right on into it. And let's talk about what happened this past week in college football. And yes, Statement Saturday, a lot of big-time games happening this past weekend. And I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but I think you know this upcoming week that we have might be the one that could top it because I'm looking at all the next week's games and uh, or this week's games rather that we're going to pick later this week and man there's a lot of good ones but week 10 again statements in the Big 10 the SEC ACC Big 12 all over the place so let's get on through some of the ones that were uh, that are not as notable as the ones that we're going to talk about a little bit later on that we're going to get into a little bit more. So let's start off with a couple of games that with one game we didn't pick, which was Army upsetting Air Force. The Air Force had been undefeated so far this season, eight and zero, and leaders for the Commander in Chief Trophy. And Army goes in there, scores 17 points in that first quarter to set the tone and get the upset, winning 23-3, to getting to 3-6 and six and handing Air Force their first loss of the season. Zach Laurier, the Air Force quarterback, had a couple of interceptions in this one. And those were big-time mistakes, and Army gets to 3-6. and six. So Air Force won the better group of five teams out there they're under they're undefeated no longer and get their first loss nonetheless it's still a good season for them but they get their first loss another game and this one we picked was clemson and notre dame and i remember i remember talking about this game on the pod last friday saying don't i'm picking notre dame but i'm not going to be shocked if clemson finds a way and wins this game. And Tyler from Spartanburg may have given Dabo and Clemson the boost they needed this season. And they're only one game away from being bowl eligible. They get the five and four. They're four and one at home. And Sam Hartman, now that he's played at Notre Dame and played at Wake Forest, he is 0-5 against Clemson. Maybe I should have thought about that, <laughs> you know, thinking about his past games against Dabo and Clemson when he was at Wake Forest, but he is now 0-5 against Clemson. And they just found a way to win. Clemson, without Will Shipley, their star running back, did really well. Phil Maffa, the other the running back behind Shipley, had himself a day, 36 carries, 186 yards, and two touchdowns. And Notre Dame had a shot late to try to go and tie this game up. 
but Clemson comes away with the victory there. And that may have been something that saved their season because looking at it right now, the the best they can finish is eight and four. They're obviously not going to the ACC title game. They are facing a Georgia Tech team that is a little bit stronger than a lot of people thought. And looking at the ACC standings, Georgia Tech is ahead of them right now, four and two in the conference. They got North Carolina, who is three and two in the conference, one of the better teams in the conference. And then they got to go on the road to South Carolina. And South Carolina had a game in which they struggled to beat Jacksonville State. And which in the post-game press conference, it sounds like exactly one of my old favorite coaches at my favorite schools, if you know what I'm talking about, taking us back to 2017-2016. And South Carolina barely came by with the victory in that one. So Clemson, very sort of manageable schedule, I think. Georgia Tech and North Carolina aren't going to be cakewalks, and South Carolina won't be either. But I think they could roll ahead. Uh, speaking of the ACC, Louisville keeps on rolling along, and they look like they're probably going to be the team to face Florida State now that they have clinched their spot in the ACC title game with no other contenders close to them for that top spot. They clinched their spot here in Week 10, and Louisville looks like the, the team behind them. They destroyed Virginia Tech, and against Virginia Tech and Duke, they have outscored them. I believe they've only allowed three points between the two of them. And so Louisville is rolling along. They're eight and one and five and one in the conference. And taking a look at their schedule, what they have for these remaining three games, they got Virginia. Now Virginia can be a surprise team. They upset North Carolina a couple weeks back. That can happen. Miami, that's at Miami. So we'll see what happens with that one. But right now, the only team that can come close, I think, right now would be Georgia Tech. They're right behind them at four and two. And then they got a game against Kentucky at home this for that final week of the season. So Louisville, they are playing really good football. And so that's where things kind of stand in the ACC. So Louisville made themselves a statement. Another statement that was made, this was a game that we did pick, was UCLA at Arizona. Went with UCLA in this one. Got to give props to the job that's been done at Arizona. I believe Jed Fisher is their coach's name. He has done an amazing job with this program. They're going bowling for the first time since 2017. They've won three straight, I believe, over ranked opponents. And I'll have to pull that up to make sure that's indeed true because UCLA, they were ranked this week. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State, yes, correct. And so they've won those games pretty well. Uh, the Washington State game, they beat them handedly and then UCLA, they beat up on UCLA, and then Oregon State was a close one. So they've done really well this year. And you take a look at three of their losses. All of them have been like one-score games. The loss against Mississippi State earlier this year was one-score game. Washington at home, it was a one-score game. And then on the road to USC, if you remember that one, how awesome of a game that was, was only a two-point loss in overtime. In a double overtime. I forget how many overtimes were played in that in that one, but they lost by two points in that one. So you take a look at their three losses. They've been one score games. They've been in every one of those games, including Washington and USC. So you got to commend the job that Fisher has done with that Arizona team and what they're doing right now. And looking at their schedule, 
I mean, Colorado, Colorado is kind of, it is really floundering right now and can't protect Sanders. No running game. It really had a drop off in offensive production after making the switch to Pat Shermer this past weekend. Utah, that could, that's going to be at home for them. So that's an advantage. And then they got at Arizona State to close out the season. You just got to come in the job. I think they get one or two more, and that gets them to what, seven and five, eight and four. That's an awesome season for Arizona. That's a surprise right there. So that's a big time statement win over UCLA. UCLA could not score in that game and could not do anything to stop Arizona from scoring 27 points. So shout out to the Wildcats there for doing something in football that they haven't done since since 2017 and uh, maybe being something other than a basketball school right now. A couple of other things to take note of. Michigan looked really good. Penn State. Kind of talked about that one and how it kind of felt, you know, James Franklin effect, you know, is going to come into is going to come into play with this one, and it actually did not. Penn State actually ran away with this one, fifty-one to fifteen, and dominating the Terrapins. And you take a look at the the box score and take a look at Penn State's offense. Actually, looked pretty good. Drew Alar, twenty-five thirty-four, two forty, and four touchdowns. Opened up the offense a little bit more. Katron Allen, ninety-one yards in the touchdown. And the Penn State defense. Penn State defense has been really good all year long. And in this game, they had six sacks, 12 tackles for losses. So they keep on doing really well. So if Penn State can keep this offense that they seem to unlock here a little bit in this one, which they've really lacked the last couple of weeks, then they can probably play a really good game against Michigan this weekend. Being at Penn State... That's big time, and it's not at the big house. So Penn State has a little bit of a chance, but it, but they can keep this offense they had this past week. They can they can maybe make some noise. I mean, the Big Ten is still undecided right now because you still got Michigan and Ohio State being undefeated, and you also got Penn State still in the mix. And especially if they go up and, and beat Michigan, then things will definitely be chaotic which is what we all want to be honest with college football but it would just be absolute chaos that would ensue going to ohio state and Rutgers, kind of surprised by this one and how long Rutgers was kind of in it and you take a look at the box scores like well the ohio state won by 19 points that is true but Rutgers was up seven to nine and nine to seven at half the time and I don't know if it necessarily was a fumble ruski or not, but it was an amazing play by Rutgers. They did really well in that first half. And then in the second half, Trayvon Henderson did amazingly in the pass game as well as the run game. Marvin Harrison did have a couple of touchdowns on four catches. The defense had a huge pick six in the red zone against Rutgers. And honestly, the Ohio State defense, we've talked about it here recently. They've done really well. They look like a different team, and this could be the formula to go and beat Michigan at Ann Arbor and go and try to win a national title. Is that the defense defense can continue to play like this, then that's entirely possible. And you look at Rutgers, they had chances in this game 
to go and score, but they couldn't punch it in. All they got were field goals. If they were able to punch those scores in the first half into the red zone, who knows what the game could have been like. But Ohio State won with their defense and Trayvon Henderson having an amazing game. Looking at his stats, I mean, he had over 200 yards from scrimmage at the second straight game in which he's done so. 128 yards rushing, 80 yards catching the ball, touchdown on the ground. He was amazing in this one. Again, that Ohio State defense came to play. Big-time interception by Jordan Hancock to return it for a touchdown. So Ohio State, they move on. After having a little bit of a scare from Rutgers in that first half, they move on to 9-0 and and win 35-16. to A couple other games. I guess I'll make a slight mention of my team here. Really good win against UConn on, on homecoming. Got a lot of the young guys some playing time. Really wanted to see that. Wanted to see how our young five-star quarterback was going to do. And he showed a whole lot in this one. And I'm really excited to see what happens with them next year. Milton had some really good plays in this one. Running game, awesome as usual. Ramel Keen was so wide open on play, I swear. <laughs> Nobody, anybody that's listening, myself, honestly, pretty much anybody could have could have caught that and just like sauntered in there like he did. But uh, Tennessee gets a win there, 59-3. Of course, they got a big game against Mizzou. And let's go to Mizzou and talk about that one real quick. Transition on over to that one. You know, I talked a little bit about how I felt about Mizzou going into Georgia this past weekend. And got to give props to Mizzou. They came out not scared. They were they were ready to go for this one. Hitting Luther Burden early on in this game, getting up and, and scoring a touchdown on Georgia and leading at the end of the first quarter, then the game being tied at in this at the end of the first half, and then you also had then you had Mizzou score in that in that third quarter in the second half, and Georgia trailed for the third time in the second half this year, in which it's not happened a whole lot these last couple of seasons. And then Carson Beck, even though he didn't have his three hundred yards passing that we've seen here recently, still did really well. Ladd McConkey's done really well. And Georgia kind of really took over, and they had a couple big interceptions of Brady Cook, a couple of untimely picks that could have been avoided. And Georgia really imposed their will in, in the second half, getting 14 points in that third quarter after trailing, winning 30-21. to 21. But you got to give props to Mizzou. They did not lay down to Georgia. They gave them everything. And, you know, it was like last year, sitting – a lot of those players from last year are still on this team. And so they like, yeah, we can hang with these guys. And so props to them for coming into Athens, giving Georgia a whale of a game. And again, Georgia trailed for the third time in the second half. And that happened with Auburn. That happened with South Carolina. And so Georgia has found a way to win in these games. And that was one of the big SEC games. One of the other ones, then t- let's talk about this one real quick. Texas A&M, Ole Miss, probably a little bit too close for comfort for Ole Miss in this one. A huge game from A&M as far as like confidence. Like they are still fighting despite how this season has gone. Despite they're now being five and four, they still got some tough games coming up left. I think they still have LSU left 
and they could still go eight and four. And probably some A and M fans are like, I hate that, you know, with the type of roster they have. You know, if Connor Wegman, I think, had not gotten hurt, he was playing good football at that moment, and A and M probably would have been victors in a couple of these games. Like I'm looking at, you know, the Tennessee game, the Alabama game. If maybe he's healthy, maybe they win that. Maybe they win this one against Ole Miss. They got Mississippi State next week. Then they got Abilene Christian, and then they got to go at, to LSU for the final week of the season. So, I mean, you're looking at 7-5, but at least they are still fighting. Ole Miss comes away with the win here, 38-35. Jackson Dart going over 300 yards passing, couple touchdowns. Uh, Tez Harris has been an amazing addition for Ole Miss and had some amazing catches in this one. With eleven them being catching eleven of them, one of them being a touchdown, going over two hundred yards with two hundred thirteen. Judkins, another good day on the ground, over a hundred yards and three touchdowns. And Ole Miss needed every bit of those, and fights off a late surge from A and M, and holds on for the win here. Gets to eight and one, five and one the SEC, and I don't think they're dreams of getting into the SEC title game are dead. They're going to obviously need a lot of help with things down the stretch. They might need some help from Auburn down the stretch, who Auburn is playing a little bit better every week. Maybe they're going to need some help there, but I I don't know if it's necessarily over. Of course, they have a big game against Georgia this week, and that won't necessarily help them in trying to overcome Bama since they lost to them, but it it would really help. So staying in the SEC, let's talk about that Bama LSU game. And that was a big time statement win by Alabama over LSU. Uh, despite the controversial call, which I think you can maybe say that was targeting on Jane Daniels, who had to leave the game. Probably shouldn't have been brought back out. But I think you can maybe say that was, yeah, you can kind of call that targeting. But Bama, they played physical up front on both sides of the ball, and I think we're really seeing the type of team that Bama's wanted to become this whole season. I think they're finally starting to turn into that. Milrow, his running ability has unlocked something with that running game and and has unlocked something with this offense as a whole. He was just outstanding in this game. He and Jane Daniels, this was a good quarterback battle between both of them through the air and on the ground. Melrose, 15-23, efficient, 219 yards, no passing touchdowns, but four rushing touchdowns on 20 carries, 155 yards. That guy is an explosive runner when he gets out into the open field. Like, it is scary. And Jane Daniels, same thing, 11 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown as well. Both those guys have played an amazing ball in these games. And hate to see that Daniels had to go out. And Alabama just in that second half just really dominated LSU up front, outscoring them 21 to 7. It was back and forth in that first half. And it was like, oh man, it's going to be one of those games. And, you know, he talked about like, I don't know if Alabama can win in a shootout against LSU, but LSU got off schedule a couple times. They had to punt it and they had an interception in this game. And that's the kind of stuff that could offset their explosive offense if they're off schedule on a possession or two. 
then that gives the opportunity for Bama to go and do their thing and for Milrow to go and make some explosive plays, whether it's in the pass game or in the run game. And that's what happened this one. That's what happened in the second half. LSU got off schedule, and we saw it happen. Alabama wins 42-28 to by a couple touchdowns. So Alabama was able to keep up with this LSU offense and proven wrong on that one. And I think if you're Bama, you got to be feeling pretty freaking good about this one uh, after outscoring LSU and their offense. And you take a look at the, their games that they got left. They got a noon game at Kentucky. Then they got Chattanooga. Then they got the Iron Bowl, in which anything can happen. You know, anything can happen in, in the Iron Bowl. We've seen crazy stuff happen in, in that game. And, uh, you know, with Hugh Freeze involved, something crazy definitely could happen. But that was a huge statement win by Alabama, winning it the way they did, and just outmanning LSU on both the offensive and defensive fronts. Offensive line did a really good job. And we talked about LSU and, like, their defense not being necessarily all that great. But still, after how Alabama's offensive line has played this year, giving up a whole lot of sacks and being up there as far as the Power 5 teams and giving up sacks, they did a good job. In fact, taking a look at it, they LSU only got two sacks on Melrose, and so they did a good, really good job of protecting him. But also, a lot of that was getting was Melrose getting out in open space and making some plays with his legs. So that's a huge statement win from from Bama going forward. And looking at you know the playoffs right now, and kind of going on a little bit of tangent on that. You take a look at the top five teams. They all won this week, all improved to 9-0, and it's going to mark the first time in the 10-year history of the CFP that all the top five that have that were ranked in the CFP remain undefeated this late into the season. Of course, that's going to change here a little bit with lots of big games coming up for all five of those teams with Ohio State and Michigan. Obviously, their battle, Michigan, they got Penn State. Georgia's got Ole Miss and Tennessee. And then Washington has got Utah and Washington State, and anything can happen with those. And also Oregon State as well. And then Florida State's got the ACC title game, which I don't know if they're going to lose the rest to anybody else this season. I know they got Florida, who uh, kind of chuckled a little bit with them losing to Arkansas. They got Miami. Who knows? Maybe that one can be a, a stumbling block. But then they got North Alabama and they got Florida. So I think you could see Florida State running the table the rest of the regular season. But Louisville, they again, they played some really good ball this year and they could be a stumbling block to where Florida State wants to go. And they could really create a conundrum because if you take a look at it, all five leagues could produce at least a 12 and one conference champion which <laughs> there's only four spots, so somebody's going to get left out. But there's still a lot of college football left to be played here in the next three weeks, and, uh, man, it's going to be a wild three weeks. Uh, a couple other games that we got to get to here. A couple big ones in the Big 12, and then we got one that was also a big-time game in the Pac-12. Going back there was Kansas State. And Texas. And guys, I'm going to be honest. I thought Texas was going to run away with this one uh, early on. It's like, 
okay, I think Texas has got this one. Kansas State pick wrong, and let's move on and let's see what happens. Then, of course, you know, Kansas State, and at the end of the second quarter, they get a touchdown. And before you know it, it's 17 to 7. So Kansas State has a little bit of momentum on their side as they head to halftime. And that can be big time for them. And then in the second half, I'm, all things went chaotic. Kansas State scored 16 points. They missed a couple chances late to really make sure this game didn't go into overtime. And couldn't do it. Goes overtime. And then, of course, they had that opportunity to go up. They decided, hey, let's go and win it. But, you know, yes, you probably should have gone for the field goal. And after you've been, after how they played in the second half, really outplaying Texas in that second half, probably should have just gone for the field goal. It's like, hey, Texas has not done all that well in offense in the second half. Let we have. Let's. So let's see how this plays out. But I also can say, like, hey, you're on the road. Go for the win. So I can't – it's a it's a coin flip of, of a choice. And, like, I don't think you could have gone wrong with either. You know, it just does depend on the play call, which I don't know about that play call. With that opportunity to go up and win this game. But Texas, I do think they do need Quinn Ewers back because you look at how Malik Murphy played, he did play pretty well in the first quarter and pretty much overall in the first half. But then afterwards, I mean, after the first quarter, not all that great. He threw a couple interceptions. And we kind of talked about that. Like maybe you can get a young quarterback like him to maybe get him off schedule, make him have a couple mistakes. And that's what they did. Kansas State capitalized on that. Will Howard played an amazing game for Kansas State. And then Jonathan Brooks, looking on that side of the ball, he played amazing as well. Uh, also, the freshman, C.J. Baxter, nearly had 100 yards in this game rushing. So they, Texas nearly had a couple 100-yard rushers. And then A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, especially A.D. Mitchell, going off in this game. Amazing from, game from him. But I do think Texas does need Quint Ewers back to really solidify their chances for a Big 12 title that is really in front of them. You look at what's happened here in the Big 12 the last couple weeks, everything is out in front of them. They have a shot here. You want to say you're back? Here's an opportunity to really claim that. Go and win the Big 12 in its final year. Everything's in front of you, especially with what happened in Bedlam, and boy, what an environment that was with Oklahoma State coming back and winning this one, and just kind of like a back-and-forth game. You take a look at it. First half, it's 14-10 to 10 with Oklahoma up, and then it gets to 21. I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't know how math works. It was 17-14 to 14 Oklahoma State. <laughs> you, gotta re, you guys got to remember, math isn't my strongest suit, so keep that in mind. But Oklahoma State was up in, at the end of the first half. Oklahoma then goes up 24 to 17 and then that fourth quarter happens and Ollie Gordon we talked about was the nation's leading rusher absolutely needed to have himself a game and he did 33 carries 137 yards and two touchdowns absolutely need to you know 
we got to give credit to, I think, what Mike Gundy has done there. A guy that seems like it feels like he's unheralded at the job that he does there at Oklahoma State. You take a look at what Oklahoma State, what happened to them earlier this season. They got beat down by South Alabama at home, 33-7. to Kind of a close win against Central Arkansas, 27-13. to And then they lost to Iowa State after South Alabama, 34-27. to But then afterwards, they really start to build up some momentum. They beat Kansas State in 29-21. They beat Kansas 39-32. West Virginia, who's had a solid season, 48-34. Cincinnati, 45-13. And then with this one, they really built up some momentum and they got some stuff figured out and they've built this identity to which you've got to give Mike Gundy credit for how well they've done here in these last few weeks. They've done it amazingly. And Oklahoma, they are definitely out of it now. And Oklahoma State, that, that's their parting gift to Oklahoma. <laughs> that's their parting gift in the final Bedlam game is say, hey, yeah, your chances of winning the Big 12, probably done now. Uh, there are still a lot of things that are at play, but you take a look at the Big 12 now, Three, you had three or five teams that were four and one this past weekend play, and you had a couple of them play each other, and three out of the five end up losing that were four and one, with Texas and Oklahoma State being the two that didn't. And so now for those two, I don't know if you could have said Oklahoma State would have been the Big 12 title game or had a chance to play for it after what happened to South Alabama. I don't know if you could have said that. But now here we are with three games left to play, and hey, anything is possible. The Oklahoma State schedule looks like it's pretty favorable, even though you got two road games. UCF hasn't been great this year. They're one and five in conference, four and five overall. Houston, two and four, four and five in conference overall. And then BYU, who's two and four and five and four overall. So not a bad schedule to end up off with. You have the potential to go 10-2 and two here, which again, after that South Alabama loss and then after then losing to Iowa State the week after and being 2-2 two and two at that point, don't know if you would have thought like, hey, we're going to end up having a chance to go 10-2 and playing in the Big 12 title game. Don't think they would have thought that. And then Washington going against USC. Uh, well, hold on a second. Let's talk about this one because – it's a kind of a perfect transition here between the game of the week that we end up picking and the game that was exactly both these games were kind of exactly what we thought they were going to be with Iowa Northwestern being a 10 to seven game in favor of Iowa. And the over under was around 30 and a half. And it was definitely that. So if you bet the over, I'm sorry, can't help you. And then you have the exact opposite of what we thought exact what we thought exactly was going to happen with Washington and USC. And that's exactly what happened. A game that went back and forth between each of these teams. Marshawn Lloyd did not play in this game for USC. So Austin Jones had to take on the bulk of the running game for USC when they did run the ball. You got to talk about Dylan Johnson, though, when you talk about running backs in this game. Looking at his previous games, he has not run the ball all that well. He's only ran for 100 yards, and to be exactly, he he ran for 100 exact in one game. Other than that, he's not been all that great. This game, he goes off for 256 yards on 26 carries, four touchdowns, 
nearly 10 yards per carry. So he was outstanding. And then Penix Jr., kind of the same way. He had 256 yards, 22-30, two touchdowns, did have a pick, but it didn't hurt them. And it was exactly the type of game you would expect this game to be. Uh, Odunze did well. Polk did well. The Washington trio did really well. The defense, though, it is kind of suspect because you look at their last few games, they have not done a good job of being a good defense. You gave up 33 to Stanford, 33 to Oregon, 42 to USC. But listen, we kind of expect it, you know, with this one, with the weapons that USC has, with Kate Williams and how good he is. Kind of expect it, but defense needs to shore up here. Because you got Utah, Oregon State, Washington State here in these final three games. You're going to have to play some defense here. And you're going to really have to if you want to tell the committee, hey, we want to jump one of these undefeated teams. And, of course, they could. It depends on if somebody falls here these last three weeks. But got to play defense. And speaking of having to play defense, USC, their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, he's now out at USC. And it kind of had to be done with how they've been playing on the defensive side of the ball. I believe they're like it. I can't I can't remember exactly, but like they're in the 120s as far as a couple defensive stats. And that's not gonna cut it. And we talked about USC. One thing that hadn't happened this year for them to be up at the top of this conference, prove on defense. Hasn't happened. And so now Alex Grinch, he's now gone and Washington wins, sends him out without a job. And they went 52-242. And USC with, I think, their Pac-12 title hopes pretty much dashed here after this one with Washington and Oregon. And then you can probably throw, oh, who else? Utah out there as well, depending on what happens with Utah and Washington this week. But, there's again, there's a lot of football left to be played. And so that's where we are after – Week 10 of college football, and again, guys, I'm excited about this next week. I think this next week can top what we saw this week and just kind of give you a little bit of rundown of the games we got. We mentioned Bama, Kentucky. We got Ole Miss, Georgia. Florida, LSU should be a fun one, despite how both teams lost last week. USC, Oregon can be a really good one. Miami, Florida State, Utah, Washington, Tennessee, Mizzou, Duke, and Carolina who have been really good in football this year. So surprising to see them having really good seasons in football, respectively. Michigan and Penn State. And you got West Virginia and Oklahoma. And that might be the, as far as the games on list, besides Florida and LSU and maybe Bama and Kentucky, those might be the downers. Every every other game this week looks like it can be, It's going. we're going to have fun this week. We're going to have fun in week 11. So buck off, everybody. It's going to be a fun week to kind of get ready for our preview later on this week. All right, now let's go on over and make the switch to the NFL, and let's talk about what happened in Week 9. Of course, Friday we talked a little bit about the Titans and Steelers game, so no need to cover that one. Now let's go to Dolphins and Chiefs, though. Talk about that one that happened in Germany, the first game ever in Germany. And... Tale of two different halves, really, by this from both these teams. Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball, 
looked pretty strong here early on, up 21 to 0 at the end of the first half. But Miami outplayed the Chiefs in that second half. And Miami, it seemed like a lot of that stuff, they've been off schedule. And we talked about this in the midseason pod. Dolphins really kind of need this one as far as proving that they can beat these top teams. And they're now 0-3 after this one. And in this one, offense, not all that great. Tyreek Hill, an average game by his standards, eight catches, 62 yards. So looking at both these teams, I mean, Chiefs, yes, they get the win, and that defense played pretty well. And uh, Brian Cook had himself a couple of good plays in here. But thing with the Chiefs, you know, Travis Kelsey did not have a big game in this one. And I, I kind of w- was ticked off about it, too. But, like, in general, just, like, Mahomes did not have a outstanding game like neither quarterback said. Neither quarterbacks went over 200 yards passing in this game. So that can kind of tell you what kind of game this was. I mean, the defenses came to play in this one, in which Chiefs got a defensive score in this one from Cook. And Dolphins, yes, they get a couple touchdowns from Tua, from a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown from Mostert. But other than that, both these defenses came to play. Kelsey pretty much said like this. Well, I think he said about the Chiefs defense, like it's, one, it's probably the best defense I've ever had on any one of my teams. But for the Chiefs, I mean, finding somebody other than Kelsey to throw to has been, I, I don't know why it's been so hard, but it has been. Rasheed Rice has had a couple of moments where it's like maybe he could be, but then he would drop a couple passes and like, well, can't say that. Then you get MVS, and same thing kind of happens with him. It's just kind of like a struggle to try to find somebody on the outside that can really help it can can contribute consistently. But it looks like you know this one they threw it all the you know threw it all over the place. Mahomes did, but it's like nobody else is really standing out besides Kelsey. And of course, Kelsey diving a big game. Probably thought, oh, that might hurt them, but Chiefs defense played strong enough. And they get the win there, twenty-one to fourteen. And so, didn't hurt them here, but I have to wonder if that will be the case. And again, the Dolphins—they fall six and three, and zero and three against teams with winning records. And so, they got to figure stuff out. They got to change that narrative for them to be considered one of the top teams in the conference. Vikings and Falcons went with the Vikings on this. Went with the Falcons on this one, and. I got to say, I'm so happy for my guy, Josh Dobbs. I, I got to say, coming in a few days after getting traded, didn't know anybody's name, is teaching his cadence on the sidelines, and is getting adjusted to his teammates, doesn't know anybody's names, is going out there and making play after play, whether it's running the ball or throwing it to one of the guys he doesn't know whose names uh, yet, but I'm pretty sure by right now he'll probably know it. And, man, what an incredible game by him. It, just by him coming off the street, essentially, and learning the, learning this offense and leading the Vikings to a victory here. Get them to 5-4. and four, Get them over 500. I, I'm so happy for him. So it, it was a, amazing for him. As far, I picked the Falcons and went and picked them and picked them. But 
I'm more than willing to let this one slide because I, I'm happy for him. He was just playing some really good football after Jaron Hall suffered a concussion early in this game. And so he comes in, he works in some of that magic. And I got to say, I think some Georgia fans are tired of Dobbs. <laughs> after what he's done to him in the college and, and in the pros, I think like yeah, we're tired of this guy. So shout out to Dobbs. Shout out to the Vikings for getting the win here, getting to five and four. And I did call a Bijan rushing touchdown in this one. That did not happen. Algier got a touchdown. But the Falcons, I, I mean, I don't know. It, if you're going to waste Bijan, why even pick him? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. And and this one, not all that great. Algier got the rushing touchdown. Uh, I, I don't know. It, Falcons fans and NFL fans are are probably all saying the same thing right now. So Falcons lose by three, 31 to 28. Again, Dobbs having an amazing game in this one. Again, I'm so proud of him. Uh, I'm really glad to see him getting some shine here with what he's done. And hey, like I've always thought, like he can come in and pick up an offense. I mean, the guy is super smart. All right. He's an, he was a, a what aeronautical engineer major. And like, not surprised because you have to be really sharp and be really smart when you're in that type of major. Not that I would know, but I'm assuming. So again, congrats to him. Commanders at Patriots went with the Patriots on this one and the Patriots end up losing by three points in this one, 20 to 17, Sam Howe, even though he, he did throw a pick another game in which he threw for over 300 yards in this one. And he's doing really well for a fifth-round quarterback. He's he's doing some good stuff for the commanders at that position right now. So, commanders, they move to four and five. Patriots, they fall to two and seven. Patriots did not have their two leading receivers in this game with Parker and, of course, Kendrick Bourne, who's out for the season now with his injury. So, commanders get the win there, 20-17. Don't think we picked the Bears and Saints, but five turnovers from the Bears, not good from for them. Saints win twenty four to seventeen, and uh, yeah, we didn't pick that one, but I had to mention that. And then Ravens at Seahawks, kind of premier game of the early afternoon window. And we're me and Matt said, you know, we're going to especially keep an eye on that Bengals game for this defense. And you know, we'll also mentioned this one is kind of a idea to get you know, what to expect from this defense and see if they should have made a move at the deadline. And this one, I mean, it kind of looked like the exact, it kind of was a carbon copy of the Lions game. There were a couple fumbles by Lamar and Odell, but other than that, the Ravens, they completely trashed the Seahawks. And with Detroit and Seattle, who were both division leaders at the time coming into this game, and Baltimore does the number that they did on them in, in pretty much almost exactly the same fashion, that'd be something to think about. And the defense, you know, taking a look at what all they did in this game, you know, 30, limiting them to three points, Geno, interception this one, not great efficiency, 13 to 28. Did a really good job of stopping the running game of Walker and Charbonnet. 
They got to him four times. And Seattle also had a couple fumbles as well. To go along with Baltimore's fumbles. But I mean, yeah, four ta- four sacks, five tackles for loss. And I think we can say, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that Cincinnati game since Cincinnati is looking really strong right now. But Baltimore, they look like they're legit right now. And, and this is the second time we've kind of seen them play like this in which Lamar's played really good, really efficient football, uh, passing, running, all that stuff. Mark Andrews had himself a good game. Odell got himself a touchdown in this one. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, I don't know if I've ever heard of the guy, and I've I watched college football more than right Matt does, and, and and like I don't know about this guy. So that should tell you about like who's this guy. Um, so Mitchell nine carries, one hundred thirty eight yards, one touchdown. And he is a rookie from East Carolina. I just don't – I mean, we don't cover East Carolina here. So – but he had himself a good game. And I was like, what? Um, 298 yards by the Ravens on the ground with a couple touchdowns from Gus Edwards. Uh, amazing game from the Ravens overall, 37-3. Statement game again. Second time in the last few weeks they've done this to a team, a division leader. And I think you guys start to say, like, Ravens are a team you got to – Seriously, think about being contenders here at the midway point, a little past the midway point of the season. I think you start, you got to start taking them a little bit more seriously. And let's see, Texans and Buccaneers. I was hoping we had this game. I had to remind myself, and this one was a barn burner. This one was was so much fun to watch. They went to this game late after the CBS game got done with. I believe that was, I had to take a look at, who it was, but they switched over to this game. And I got to tell you what, CJ Stroud, he's offensive rookie of the year. I I think after this one, he is in prime pole position to go and win that award. You look at what he did on Sunday and this is all amazing. His 147.8 passer rating is the highest single game passer rating by rookie quarterback in NFL history. Minimum 30 attempts. He had 470 passing yards in this game. They're most by a rookie in a game in NFL history. He became the youngest player ever with at least 450 passing yards in a game. And he became just the sixth player in NFL history to record at least 550 passing yards, five touching passing, five touchdowns through the air, and no interceptions in a game. That is all astounding with this Texans team. And we talked about it last week, the Texans and the job they've done with with D'Amico Ryans and how good of a job he's done getting this Texans team to four wins right now over what they had last year. And Stroud just playing phenomenal football. My goodness. Um, He's just playing out of his mind right now. And Tank Dell, who had a few weeks off, got a little bit banged up and did well at the early onset of the season, he had himself a day here as well. But honestly, pretty much you can say that the Texans receiving core had itself a day. And I guess you got to with how well Stroud did. Noah Brown, leading receiver, 153 yards and a touchdown. Schultz, 130 and a touchdown. Tank Dell, 114 yards, six catches, two touchdowns, including the game, the, the touchdown that put the Texans ahead of the Bucs. 
And oh, man, this Texas team is fun to watch. And Stroud again is a guy I think you need to start talking about D'Amico Rhines as being a coach of the year candidate right now. And Stroud again is pretty much, I think, the top guy here as far as offensive rookie of the year, especially after this game. It's hard to think about anybody else after what he did and how he just carved up this Tampa Bay defense. And again, this guy has not thrown a lot of interceptions. He's only thrown one on the year. Now, we probably expect that the QB rookie wall is going to hit, or maybe it doesn't. And maybe he continues to perform this well. And like he's playing at the level right now of a guy that is a top 10, top 15 quarterback in this league. That's how well he's playing right now. And so Texans on the arm of C.J. Stroud win this game 39-37, get to 4-4. Four and four. Colts at Panthers, win with the Panthers on this one with the rookie quarterback Bryce Young talking about Stroud's counterpart. Kind of the opposite here, Stroud, or Bryce Young, three interception, interceptions, including two pick sixes by Kenny Moore, in the, which the Colts get 14 points off their defense. 23 second quarter, really kind of clinched it for him. Colts go to four and five. Panthers fall to one and seven. Raiders at Giants. I don't think we picked this one, but big statement game by the Raiders after what happened with Josh McDaniels. And kind of have to wonder if McDaniels was the problem here. Antonio Pierce, good job of getting this team ready to go in this one. And the Giants, man, oh, man. You really kind of hate it for Daniel Jones, torn ACL. And now the Giants are kind of at a crossroads after giving him that big contract. And here they are, two and seven. You got a chance to take a quarterback here pretty high. So now what do the Giants do here? And that's going to be an interesting question to keep an eye on in the weeks and months to come. But for the Raiders, huge win, 30-6. to Completely different energy after this win in that locker room. And so they get, so they're no, all hope is still not yet lost for the Raiders right now uh, at four and five. And, you know, if they get Devontae going, then, you know, watch out, but different type of energy than what we've seen from the Raiders here the last few weeks. Then we got Eagles going against the Cowboys, NFC East rivals. And what else did you expect? The game that went right down to the wire that last minute or so was absolutely chaotic in the best ways possible and wouldn't have wanted anything else. Cowboys had a shot there at the end and do not get it as they fall to the Eagles 28-23. to Jalen Hurts getting banged up in this game. Dallas having a couple chances to that they missed. You had the Schoonmaker touchdown, that which he was ruled down at the two-inch line. Then you have Dak stepping out of bounds on a two-point conversion. And then Dallas, they have that amazing drive at the end in which they look like they might be about to punching it in and going up. Get it to CD. They came up a couple yards short to the end zone. And then, you know, Cowboys end up losing the game 28-23. to Round two at Dallas is going to be so much fun as well. I think Dallas, I, I would probably pick them for that one. And then maybe we can see it round three potentially in the playoffs. They'll play again here in about a month. 
in Dallas. So that's going to be a fun one to mark on your calendars. But, man, what a game. No, expect nothing less from NFC East rivals doing battle and going against each other like that. Not shocked at all. And then Bills, Bengals last night on Sunday Night Football. Talked about the Bengals. They are getting hot at the right time. Higgins, as far as fantasy purposes, had his best game since what, week two in this one. Was the leading receiver in this one. The guys that caught touchdowns were the tight ends. Drew Sample, Irv Smith. Burrow only got sacked once and was really good in this game. 31-44, 348, two touchdowns. Had an average yard per completion at 7.9. Running game wasn't working all that great, but with Burrow performing the way he did, he really kind of didn't need to. And so, again, we've been saying that the Bills, you know, Kind of like at this point last year, they started to really start to get hot and win some games. Looks like the same thing might be happening right now. They're sitting at five and three. And I mean, if you take a look at the AFC North, and my goodness, man. <laughs> I mean, right now, besides the Ravens, everybody else is five and three. But I think we can say, you know, out of those three, we trust the Bengals more than the Steelers and Browns out of those teams. But, man, that AFC North is so freaking tough right now. And the Bengals are playing some really good football. And for the Bills, I mean, man, that's that's a tough one. That, that, that That's a real tough one. You know, I, I saw something else on Twitter that was kind of crazy. You know, the Bills have the second-best point differential in football, and here they are at 5-4. and four. It's just kind of crazy. They just, you know. I don't know what happens. I mean, you have the losses they've had on defense, and you're like, okay. And then they had that turnover in which Kincaid catches it. Looks like they're going to be in good position, but he fumbles it. Good job from Pratt, the linebacker, forcing that fumble. And they lose by six. They get that late touchdown, two-point conversion. But, man... Bills, I mean, they're five and four right now. And every team in the AFC East has lost this week. We'll see what happens with the Jets tonight. Jets have a good shot of winning tonight and being the only team in the AFC East to win a game this week. So we'll see. But for the Bills, heartbreaker in this one. And really kind of just like letting Allen be the running back late in that game. And Kincaid, even though he did have the fumble, looks like he's becoming the second option behind Diggs in this offense. And Gabe Davis did not have a catch in this game. Was only targeted two times in this one. So I don't know what the answer is for the Bills, but they definitely need to figure it out. And it would have been a good one for them to get in this one with the Dolphins losing to the Chiefs. And you could have gotten to 6-3 and three and felt really good and comfortable about where you would have been after this week. But now here they are, five and four. They're one and three on the road. That's also notable. That's noticeable as far as like the bigger scheme is like with the rest of the season down the road. So the Bengals get the win 25, 24 to 18, move to five and three, and the Bills go to five and four. And it was a great game. It was what we wanted with these two quarterbacks dueling against each other. Both only got sacked. Both of them combined got sacked twice. So defense 
they had trouble against them. So that that's also noticeable as well. But great game on Sunday night. Bengals get the win, and they're in prime position right now, even though the AFC North again, is, is stacked right now. So that's where we are with the NFL in week number nine. Amazing week of football in the college and the pro ranks. And, man, really fun week. It, no better, no other way to say it. And I'm really excited about what's to come for next week. And we talked about college football. Take a look at NFL next week. 49ers and Jaguars, that could be a good one with the 49ers coming off a bye. Lions and Chargers. You got. You also got the Texans going on the road to Bengals. Stroud facing off against Burrow. Tines of Bucks. See if Levis can keep that momentum going. Browns at Ravens. With you know, with again that AFC North. Could, you know, Browns five and three. You have to see what the Bengals do and, and the Steelers do. But hey, there's a lot on the line with that division. So. We're in for some good games this upcoming week. Probably more so in the college ranks, but in the pro ranks, there's some games to definitely keep an eye on as well. And, of course, later on in the week, we will talk about all of them and get you guys ready and preview those. So that will do it for this pod, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts. Be sure to go subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. It helps us out, as always. Also, notifications. Get notified on when a pod goes up. Check out the YouTube channel. If you're interested in what me and Matt had to say as far as the midseason stuff for the NFL, if you want the video pod of that, that's on the YouTube channel, 573 Podcast, and do all the YouTube stuff because that helps also. And then social media, my personal, Ryan Views, 573, and for the podcast account, 573 Pods. And I believe that's all the podcast extracurriculars out the way so with all that being said everybody hope you guys have a good monday hope you guys have a good rest of your week and we will talk to you a little bit later this week about all these matchups that we got going on in the nfl and the college ranks but until then have a good week and we'll talk to you all next time